it talks about the thing that we've been talking about here this morning. Jeremiah uh, chapter 1, verse number 4 says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I'm not known how to speak. I'm only a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and he touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy, to overthrow, and to build and to plant. I thought about Jeremiah's, Jeremiah's calling. I want to talk about three deadly words in our society. Before I do that, let me give you two stories. The first one is a story of two children, the first parents of a child, somewhat mismatched. The father never kept a job. He was unemployed with no formal schooling. His mother was a teacher, a school teacher. This child was born in Michigan with an estimated IQ of 81. He was withdrawn from school after three months and was considered backward by school officials. This child enrolled in school two years late due to sickness, scarlet fever, and respiratory infections. He was also going deaf. His emotional health was very poor. He was stubborn. He showed very little emotion, but he liked mechanics. He also liked to play with fire and literally burn his father's barn down. But he didn't want, he did want to be a scientist or a possibility of being a railroad mechanic. The second child showed not much more promise either. This child was born to an alcoholic father. A child, she was, as a child, she was very sickly, bedridden, often hospitalized. She was considered erratic, withdrawn. She would bite her nails and numerous other phobias. She wore a back brace and a spinal defect, would constantly seek attention. She was a daydreamer with no vocational goals, although she expressed a desire to be helped the elderly and the poor. Now, who of us, who were these two children? Did you ever stop to think? The first one, the first boy, became the greatest inventor the world has ever known. His name was Thomas Edison. The second child was a girl. And this girl became a champion of the oppressed. Her name was Eleanor Roosevelt. Now the question this morning is, who of us would have ever thought that either one of them would have ever made much of their life. Which one of us, who of us would have uh, uh, 
may have even said or voted most likely person to achieve anything. Probably neither one of them. But you know, I found that that's the way it is sometimes in life. God makes the difference in what we do in life. Genealogists tell us that uh, somewhere I read a number of years ago that only 3% of the earth's pure water, clean water, is on the surface in rivers and lakes. 97% of that water is down below in deep reservoirs. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, that's the way individuals are. Do you know that people, only 3% of their potential is on the surface? Only 3%. Maybe your way you talk. It may be your appearance. It may be the influence that you have. But 97% of your potential is unseen. And I want to talk about how do we bring that to the surface? How do we work in this life? How does this happen? How do we tap the, the unseen resources? How do we see that thing, my friend, that bring to the surface the powers that we have within us and the possibilities that we have with each one of us? The first thing I think we need to do is to remember the words of Jeremiah. We need to rid our vocabularies of three deadly words. Jeremiah said, I am only. Today we have too many people who live with the idea that I am only. These words need to disappear from our minds. God called Jeremiah and she said unto him, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I had set you apart. I appointed you to be a prophet of the nations. But notice Jeremiah's words. But Lord, I don't know how to speak. I, I just, I, you say that I'm going to be a prophet of the nations, but I don't even know how to talk. I, I, I'm embarrassed. I, I can't do this. Then Jeremiah spoke these three deadly words. I am only. In the case of this, he said, I'm only a child. You may be saying you're only a youth. But let's read the sermon a little further. You'll notice in Jeremiah's writings that he would become the greatest prophet of all the nation that God has ever called. But he first had to deal with three deadly words. Somewhere I read some time ago, it says, Never tell anyone it can't be done. God may have been waiting for years for somebody ignorant enough of the impossible to do that very thing. And you know, I thought about that. Men who say it can't be done should never interrupt somebody that's doing it. Never interrupt somebody that's doing it. And so I think many of us are limited by those three words, I am only. I thought about this in our lives. If God came to some people in this room today, as I look over this audience, I'm sure there are some that are sitting here and say, yeah, you need to preach that to the young. But you know what? There are some retirees that says, I am only today. I, I'm, I'm getting old in life. I, I can't do what I used to do. 
I'm going to tell you something. Some people are saying, I'm too old to be used. I'm too old to teach a class. I'm too old to sing a song. I'm too old to stand in the pulpit. And I want to tell you something. Let me, let me give you a story. It's a story about an attorney. An attorney, you know, this guy is uh, in the newspaper. Harold Lipsid was his name from New York. Harold was, uh, uh, you know, for years, at 88 years old, decided that he would leave that big firm in New York and move to a smaller town and start a brand new law firm. I mean, he had put this thing together for years, and he had all these attorneys working for him and under him, but he himself hadn't been trying any cases. So at 88, when everybody else was retiring, everybody else was quitting, he decided to start a new firm. And for the first time in many, many years, he got his first case. A lady came to him. Her husband had been killed accidentally. And so he took the case. And when, he kept, when the case came up, what it was, it was a New York policeman that was drunk on the job in his police cruiser, had hit her husband and killed him at 71 years old. She was filing a suit against the city of New York, and her case was that her life was being deprived of what her husband could, could have earned had he lived. Well, the state of New York thought that was pretty slick. We'll, we'll handle that pretty easy. I mean, what can a seven-year-old, 71-year-old man, what, what could have he learned until they found out that Harry, who is now 88, a very vigorous, very lively attorney, who is now trying the case? Well, let me just tell you the end of the story was that she won the, he won the case and he was awarded 1.2 Two five million dollars to this woman because of the, the lack of what this police officer did. Now that tells me something. You see, we never get to the place to where we're so old that we're of no use anymore. God will use you and I until the end. And so someone might ask the question, what, ha- what would have happened? Wonder what would have this woman ever received had Harry said at 88, I'm too old to take that case. No, you see, he's, you never are too old. He had the abilities. And so there are people that say it all the time. There are probably here. How many times have you heard someone say, I've heard people say, well, it, it can't happen. I, I, I'm just a woman. What, what can I do? I'm a woman. I, I hope there's nobody in this church or in this place that still believes that women cannot compete with men. Because I'll tell you something. The last time that I heard, and the last statistics that I heard, was that the fact is that the highest two IQs ever recorded on a standard test both belong to women. So how can we say that women can't do what men can do? You see, women are alive. It's not intelligence, it's not ability, it's not competence that have held women back. I tell you what's held them back. It's simply the fact of these three deadly words. I am only a woman. But I love it. You know, the little girl was praying one day, and she was praying to the Lord very earnestly, and she said, God, is it true that boys are always better than girls? And then she waited a few minutes like she was hating for an answer. And then she said, now, God, I know you're one of them. Be honest and be fair. (laughs) You see, sometimes... 
we need to realize that women can do a lot of things a lot more than what we realize. You know, along the way in progress, we've come a long ways in this country. We've come a long ways in the church in the fact of knowing what women can do and, and what men can do side by side, working together hand in hand. And you know something I thought about, you know, there, I, I like the story of the, of the couple that was standing in line walking one day and there were some men and some women there who were talking and, and talking about women. And, and so the, the man and the woman was talking and, and they were talking about the progress. He, and the one woman said, well, you know, I'm kind of, a, kind of a woman that I like to talk to my plants. And these fellows listened and said, well, <laughs> that kind of crackpot standing around talking about plants. She said, well, I mean my plants. You know, my, my chemical plant over in, in Chicago and my textile plant down in, New, you know, down in, uh, in North Carolina. And so, you see, this woman had come to the realization that there was no limits of what God could do. She had overcome those words, I am only. And you know something, I think all of us, we've come a long ways in that way. But this woman be, be, believed in it. Every child in this world, male or female, no matter who we are, every one of us should grow up with two things in our lives. The first thing you need to realize, realize is that you're loved. No matter who you are, no matter what kind of a surroundings you come up in, you are loved. If no one else loves you, take that moment and get alone and talk to God. Because God loves you enough that He gave His only Son for you. You are loved. And the second thing is, is that you need to realize you have Potentiality. You have, you have potential. You, you have something about you that can give you potential. And, and I thought about that little song, you know, the kids used to sing, my son does it with ventriloquism all the way. I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a promise with a capital P. You see? I am a, I, I'm one with great potentiality. You know what? I believe that every person has potential. Every person, no matter who we are, male or female, no matter how old, no matter what our, our background is, we all have potential. God didn't create anybody without some kind of potential. God created us that way. Let's get rid of the I am onlys. I am only a child. I hear people say it all the time. Oh, you don't understand. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a child of, of an alcoholic family. I can't do anything. Why, why my family, they drink it so much and, and I've lived with, without having clothes and shoes and food and, and housing all of my life. I am only, I am only a daughter or a son of an alcoholic. My friend, let me tell you something. I can tell you lots of people that have been raised in those situations that did not accept the fact that I am only, I am something different. Some others may say, well, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, in this day and age, they say, well, you know, I'm a child of a home that's filled with drugs. And, and so my family has been filled with drugs and they, just, they spend all their money on drugs. And what do you expect me to be? I'll never get educated. They'll never be able to send me to college. Nobody over a penny to send me. You need to get that I am only out of your mind. There are some people that will say, well, I'm only. I am only a child of a coal miner. Think about that. Dolly Parton's made millions and millions and millions of dollars. She was a child of a coal miner. I've known lots of children of coal miners raised in, the, in, the, in, in very poverty situations. But when they came to know Jesus Christ and Christ became real in their life, they moved There's another step and they moved a little further and they became something for God. Let me tell you something. You can't use that excuse. 
Other people say I'm only a person of a handicapped condition. And when I think about that, I think of Joni Arrington, terrorist. Tara. I mean, this young lady, had it not been for her, her being a paraplegic, she would have never been able to preach to the millions and millions of people that she's preached to. It's through the midst of that. She could have said, well, I'm a, I'm a young girl. I'm only, I'm only this. I can't do anything. I'm a paraplegic. But let me tell you something. In that wheelchair, every summer, she'll run camp after camp after camp, encouraging those that are in the same situation and winning them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're ministering. You see, we use these false accusations. Jeremiah had the same problem. You see, not only that, but we find that there are others who say, I'm just this and I'm that. You know what? I I think about this. You can be anything God wants us to be. God, my friend, is calling every one of us just like He did Jeremiah. You know, I thought about this. I I had the privilege of of going to the hospital and and seeing Dave's daddy. Now, now, Dave's daddy, he's much older than I am. Uh, you know, he got prettier blonde uh, silver hair, you know. He's a great guy. But in the process of talking, I found out I pastored one of the churches his daddy pastored. And you know something? His daddy planted seeds in that church. His daddy Worked with people. And I had the privilege to come in later, years later, and pastor that same church. And because of the seeds that his daddy planted, out of that congregation, we have three successful Church of God pastors. I mean, one young fellow is in Joliet, Illinois. He's been there for 40 years. And has kids in ministry. Have another fellow that was up in Michigan. And he has two daughters. I did their wedding. I dedicated their baby. They're now married to preachers. I mean, this is all seeds that came from, from Dave's daddy. Who didn't say, I'm only. He said, he answered the call of God. And I begin to think about that. What if I would have said... When God called me at 15 years old, and I would have said, man, I, I can't, and I did say, I can't talk. Now, y'all can't believe that, but you know what? They used to call my name. My, my ears would catch on fire. I didn't, I didn't know, I, I couldn't say anything. But you know what? When God called me, I could have said, I, I'm only a, a poor old boy from northeast Ohio on a little old farm, and, and, and my daddy works two or three jobs just to keep us a God. I, I, I don't know anything. I, I'm nothing special. But you know what I did? I, I, didn't, I got rid of those words. I am only a young kid. I'm only a, a son of us loggers that don't have anything. I, what can I do for the kingdom of God? But you know what? I realized that God said, get rid of those words and remember, you're a child of mine. You see, when you become a child of God, it's different. And so when I begin to think about those words, you can be anything. God came to Jeremiah and said, before He formed you, I knew you. I want to tell you something. No matter who you are this morning, you may say, well, you've got a lot of things. If this preacher just knew about me, he wouldn't be talking that way. Let me tell you something. It makes no difference what this preacher thinks. God knew you when you were born. God knows you today. He knows where you are. He knows where you live. Jeremiah, he said, I know who you are. And I was born. I set you apart. Somebody said to me, when did you get called? Let me tell you something. I believe from the beginning God must have done something. Because I certainly couldn't have done what I've done through the years had it not been for Him. 
You see, God appointed us. You know, but 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 notice what Jeremiah said. But Lord, Jeremiah said, I, I don't know, I don't know how to speak. I, I'm only a child. And then look and see what God does next. It says Jeremiah. He said, Don't say that, Jeremiah. God's saying to you this morning that are thinking, I'm I'm nobody. I, I don't have anything to offer. I have God's saying, Don't say that, because I've got potential within you. He said to Jeremiah. He said, Don't say that. I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to, wherever it is that I command you. And he said, don't be afraid. You know, I read that and it taught me something in ministry. Because in ministry, you know, sometimes the Lord will lay something on your heart to preach or something to say or something to do, and He'll put you in a position where you know that somebody's going to get offended. <laughs> I probably offended some of you over the last nine or ten months. But that's okay, because you know what? I'm brave, because it says, the Bible says that you go and say it, because I'm with you. Now notice what the Bible says. It said that he reached out, and he touched the lips of Jeremiah. Now you know how God touches your lips today? When you come to the place where you answer the call of God, and he said, I'm going to put my spirit within you. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it gives you a brave. It gives you a compassion. It gives you authority that you never had in your own. Jeremiah, just a young boy, I mean, he said, I'm a child, I don't have anything. But he said, don't be afraid of them. You know what, I sat with your board all the time. I ain't afraid of any of them. <laughs> you know why? You know why? Because the Bible says... I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you over the nations and kingdoms to uproot, to tear down. You know what he's talking about? Uproot the sin that's in people's lives. Tear it down. Get it out of there. And then he says, I want you to know that you can destroy, overthrow, and then I'm going to have you build up and plant. And you know something? God had great plans for Jeremiah. But he couldn't do a thing with that boy until he got rid of those three words. He couldn't do anything. You know what? God can't do anything with you. He can't do anything with me until we get rid of those words. We've got to get rid of them. He got to get them out. God had plans for him. He said, you've got to get rid of these three deadly words out of your lips and out of your mind. You know, some people say, well, uh, you know, they don't say it, but it's still in their mind. Other people have it in their minds, but they're out of their mind, but they're still saying it with their lips. What Jeremiah, he's saying to Jeremiah, and my friends, God has plans, great plans for your life and my life and for this church. I believe that with all my heart. God has plans. God never put anybody within the walls of this building that could not be of use to Him for the enlargement of the kingdom. The problem is, is we got to get beyond the I am only. Well, we're only, my goodness, what, what would you think we could do out here in Bar's Mills? You can't even hardly find it on the map. And I rode down the street down here one day, down, I guess I'm down here, rode down the street one day, and I noticed you got about three houses in Bar's Mills, in old church building. What can Bar's Mills Church do? I'm going to tell you something to you. You can set the world on fire. Because God doesn't look at how small or how big it is. Do you realize that some of our largest churches, this always amazed me. My son pastors have been pastoring for almost 30 years in distant Pennsylvania. You know that church runs almost 400 people. You know how many people are in distant Pennsylvania? Less than 200. 
in the whole city. So what is God doing? God's saying He enlarged that church. He enlarged their influence. Newton Falls, Ohio, I came out of. I mean, drive through Newton Falls. I mean, now the steel plants are gone. Everything's boarded up up there. But you know what? I thought about this. You know what? Eighty percent of the church didn't live in Newton Falls. Because you see, they were willing to say, we are going to reach this community. We're going to reach the world. You see, you don't, you don't just think about the church reaching people that come into the sanctuary. Every person here, wherever you go, wherever you are this week, you are the light of the world. You are the Bars Mills Church. Remember that. And you can do all things through Christ when you trust Him and believe Him. Well, you know, I read about a boy named Mike who had problems in school. In high school, junior high, high school, Mike was a real problem. Mike was running with the wrong crowd, and Mike, Mike, they began to notice that Mike's school attendance was lacking, and his grades were worsening, and and he was developing a bad disposition about himself and an attitude. And when the teachers would deal with him, they couldn't deal with him. He was he was a person that just didn't want to talk to nobody. And so finally, they the teacher finally gave the recommendation to send him to the superintendent with a recommendation that they expel him from school because she said he was unreachable and unteachable. The superintendent brought him in and sat down. How many of you ever been to the superintendent's office? I got mine up. <laughs> hey, yeah, It's all right. You'll, you'll be all right. I made it. You'll make it. Let me tell you something. The superintendent began to sat down. He began to tell him. He looked at all the notes that the teachers and the, and the people in the school would give about Mike. And, and you know, he, he started trying to lecture him because everybody else had lectured him. And as he was lecturing Mike, he noticed that he was getting nowhere. He was staring at the wall. He was, he was doing everything but paying attention to the superintendent. Finally, the superintendent looked across. He said, Mike, look over here at me. Mike looked at him and he said, Son, he said, let me look. Let me see those hands. Let, let me see your hand. Reach it over here. He looked at his hand. He said, man. He said, I, you got hands. I've never seen you got You got long fingers and you got tender hands. And, and he took his hand and he said, squeeze it. He said, man, they're strong. He said, those hands are different. He said, for a chunky little boy like you are, those are unusual hands. Those are hands of a surgeon. Son, don't you realize God's made you you got hands of a surgeon. And Mike just looked at him. He said, now son, he said, listen, I want you to go out of here and go back to class. Study as hard as you can because those hands are important to you. Mike went back to class. He began to study hard. And you know what the end of the story was? He graduated from high school, went on to college, and became one of the most well-known surgeons in Indianapolis. In, in Indiana. You see, this man, this superintendent, never once mentioned to Mike of expelling him. Never once mentioned the fact that he had a bad attitude. He encouraged him to get the resources from the inside out. Now let me tell you something, church. Sometimes that's what we need to do with people. There are people that have potential there are people that you sit beside. There are people that you worship with. 
And in their minds and in their hearts, they're saying, I am only, I am only. And they're always putting themselves down. What they need is somebody to say, man, I see something special about you. I've seen it through the years in the church. All the people that I've saw, my wife and I have saw, young people, older people. We had a church one time where the organist left. And we didn't have anybody to play music. We had a lady that was almost 60 years old. And she got a burden for this. And we began to pray. And she would pray with us. Lord, you've got to help us. We've got to have a musician. Because, you see, that's the building of the service of the preaching. And you know what she said? Last week, I went to my neighbor who teaches piano. She said, you know what? I feel impressed. I feel God saying to me, I talked to her. I'm taking a hymn book this week. She's going to find the easiest songs there is to play and she's going to teach me those. You know what? For about three months we sang the same songs over and over. <laughs> but Marge didn't say, I, I, I can't play that. I mean, she was, she was an older lady, but she was willing to take, take the lessons and learn to play for the glory of God. You know, I may tell you the rest of the story. Before I left that church, we had a music committee and we had to schedule musicians. God blessed us with one that was willing and others came on board. Let me tell you something. I've seen young people. Young people that, like we have here this morning, don't deny yourself of what God can do for you in your life. You see, God speaks at a very young age. God directs you. Get involved with that youth group. Get involved with that underground church. Because you're the one that's going to bring it above ground. You're the ones that's going to be able to witness to those people. And God has young people today the greatest need. And I'm going to tell you something. This committee is finding it out. The problem with getting a pastor today is, is there's not enough young people that are being told that God can use them. That God can make them an instrument of His power and His presence. You see, God, only God knows what He can do with your life. You don't know. But if you'll submit yourself to Him, God will do unusual things. There are men that sit in church week after week. And sometimes, you know, the women overshadow us. Because we think, well, I'm only a man. What can a man do? Let me tell you something. A man can do a lot of things. I can take you back to Newcastle, Pennsylvania to a man that came from a Catholic church that got saved. Albert Verzali is his name. Albert got saved and he was on fire for the Lord and, and one of our teachers got sick and couldn't go and the, and the CE board was looking for somebody. Albert, already retired. 62 said, if they don't have anybody, Pastor, I'll step in. I know there were people on that board said, you really want to put a man in a classroom with these kids? I said, well, he feels like he's willing to step in until we get somebody. Let me tell you something. Albert took that class. He had them kids hanging all over him. Everywhere he went, there was a trail of kids behind him. 
He had, he had a young girl that did, did drawing and, and from the high school come in and she drew Noah's Ark figures all over the wall, just outlined them. Albert had them wearing her dad's white shirts and he was teaching a lesson and they'd be, have a paintbrush in their hand and they were painting the wall. Let me tell you something. Those kids today remember Albert more than they remember anybody else. He could have said, well, I'm only a man and I'm, after all, I'm 62 years old. I'm telling you life facts that you can be something. Too many times we look at ourselves as a nobody. We have a friend today that has possibilities, every one of us. I believe, we, if we believe in him today, if we believe his goal for our lives, if we believe, my friend, we can accomplish things we never dreamed we could accomplish. You know, my heart prayer was when God called me and, and I started preaching around different places and, and, uh, and you know, Beverly and I got married and, and you know, I was preaching and I, we kept praying, God, somewhere along the line, you've got to give us a church. If we just get that little, you know, we'd, we'd hear about a little church somewhere and we'd say, boy, if we could just get this little church. I mean, I, 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 just, I just wanted the church. I just want to say, it's mine. <laughs> it's where I'm going to preach. I didn't care if I had ten people. It was a place to preach. Do you know what? Through the years, God let me preach to ten people. I was over here in there, Barberton, Ohio. Preached for youth one time. <laughs> I probably told you a story because it's a hilarious story. I preached for these youth, youth evening, and, and I preached for these youth, and we had a great time. We sang, we ate, and everything. Time to close up the doors and go out. And we started out with the pastor. Last one's going on. Oh, I said, oh, my goodness. He said, I slept the offering plate in there. He said, we've got to go back and get it. Them kids left you some money. Was it 27 or 32 cents? <laughs> I would have rather he had just left it. <laughs> it didn't do much for my self-esteem at that time. But you know what? It is amazing how that God, through the years, he, he, you know, when somebody would call me and I'd say, really, you want me? You see, because I was at a place to where I wasn't believing. I was looking at self rather than God. And then God opened my eyes one day and said, Look, I called you. You are my child. You are my pastor. You are my preacher. You, I have touched your lips. You go and do what I said to do and forget about yourself. And you know when I started doing that? It was amazing what happened. We've got friends all over the country today that have come to know Christ because I didn't say I am only. In closing this morning, let me tell you one more story. A little girl in class that got clay, like Play-Doh, and they're forming little things, and this little girl, she worked and worked and worked at it, and finally she got it all together, and she held it up and she said, look at my angel I made. Look at my angel. And boy, the teacher was amazed. And the kids were, I mean, ooh and ah. I mean, wow, this girl really knows how to make an angel. And after everybody looked at it and loved it, she took that thing and smashed it and made it all back in a ball. Then she held it up and she said, you know what it is? Only one little boy was brave enough. He said, looks like a ball. She said, no, it's a hidden angel. I'm going to tell you something. There's a hidden angel in every one of us. It just needs to be developed. 
We just need to recognize God's got something inside of us that He wants to use. Every person in this building has a hidden angel that just needs to be developed. Just needs to be brought out. And when it is, God will make something beautiful of your life. Gaither must have found that out when he wrote that song. You know, years ago, something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, he understood. All I am or ever hoped to be. You see, it's God made something beautiful of our lives. He wants to make something beautiful for your life today. Don't go out of here thinking, I am only. Get rid of those words. Do not allow them to get into your mind or come from your lips. I want you to say today, if you know Jesus Christ and you've accepted Him, that I am a child of God. I am somebody important. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who lives within me. And if you don't have that, then today is the day to say, Lord, I want you to come into my heart and life. I want you to get rid of those words, I am only. I don't want them to, I don't want them to ever come from my lips again. If you'll do that, He'll supply that need right here today. Let's stand. Father, this morning, we thank You today for Your love, for Your Word, Lord, for the hope that You give to each one of us. And Father, we know that there are men and women and boys and girls that sit right here today that the devil has told them they've only nothing. But Lord, the devil's been a liar from the beginning. And we rebuke him today. We ask, Lord, that you would give them the assurance that you can make them something special today because they have potential that you put within them even before they were born. You planted it within them. Now, Father, help them to experience it today. Help them to dig and look until, Lord, they receive all that you have for them. And we give you the thanks in Jesus' name. Well, you can come as we sing. Let's sing. Page number 403. 403.